Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to the program Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orst and today we will be talking about Minions, me and Earl and the Dime Girl, the Lego Brickumentary, and also Selfless. But right now we're going to talk to the wonderful Raven about Selfless, which is a new movie. It's good to talk to you, Raven. It's been a little bit. It is great to talk to you, as always. Can you just tell us overall, how did you like the film? I am very impressed with this film. It's definitely a sort of new twist on a lot of films that I've seen recently. Um, It's very new. It's very fresh. And I was very pleased with the overall production and quality of the film. Original. Very good. You don't see too many of those anymore. Yeah. Can you tell us what the story is about, please? Uh, Yeah. So basically, it starts off with Ben Kingsley, who plays a man named Damien, who is a very, very wealthy man who's basically, they they say that he built New York, basically. Um, And he is dying of cancer. And he hears of this new medical procedure called shedding, where you can essentially transfer your consciousness to another body. And it's it's an extremely expensive process. There's only been 12 other people, but he decides, you know, he doesn't want to die yet. And the process is only offered to people who, quote-unquote, have, like, the greatest minds. So Damien decides that he wants to go through with this process, and he's told that the body he's getting has been, you know, genetically engineered in a lab to be, you know, the perfect body. And he goes through the procedure... He starts, you know, training himself to build up his strength. And then here he is, this brilliant, almost 70-year-old man, the body of a man in his early 30s, and he's having the most wonderful life until he realizes that the body wasn't always just his, and it was somebody else's who had a life and a family. And so he kind of has to go through the process of figuring out the mystery behind the whole shedding ordeal and do what's right for himself and also the family. This is a re- really an original idea. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty much saying what cost would you go to for immortality. Exactly. And, and this is definitely a great idea, but was it ever boring at times, or did, or did it keep you interested the whole way? I was definitely interested throughout the whole thing, because something that I found very, very interesting with this film is that... Um, there were a lot of sort of montages throughout it where there would be two or three different scenes happening at once and they would sort of overlap or there would be sort of a narration from one scene happening over another scene, which I thought was really, really cool. So it definitely kept it very interesting. It wasn't like the typical format that you would see from, you know, a mystery film or an action film. And at times I was like, okay, come on, like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, oh, well, if he's really such a great guy, why doesn't he just do this? But then it all worked out in the end. And I was very, very pleased. I was entertained through for the whole time. This kind of sounds like a little bit confusing if the scenes overlap a little bit too much, like you said. Was it ever confusing? I think they did a pretty good job explaining it. I think definitely at times I was a little bit confused, especially because there are flashbacks, because sort of what makes Damien realize that this isn't just like a genetically engineered body, that it really was somebody's body who had a life, is he starts, like the memories of the person, Mark, who was originally occupying this body his memories are still like stored in the brain and so Damien keeps having these flashbacks and so sometimes I think it's a little bit confusing but they did a pretty good job keeping everything in check well that's good because confusing can ruin a lot of things yeah so this is actually also considered a sci-fi film usually sci-fi films have special effects did this have any special effects effects at all very very mild i'd say i mean the only special effects were typical things that you see in action movies you know with like gun shooting there's one scene where there's an explosion and fire but that was just you know pyrotechnics so there's really not a lot of special effects or cgi i'd say i think it's more sci-fi because it's pretty science fictiony that you could transfer your consciousness to somebody else's body all right and the mystery and thriller side did that kind of keep you at the edge of your seat was it or was it a little bit mild it was definitely very very thrilling because the entire time you know you're rooting for damien you know to have like the 
this good life, but it gets a lot more intense throughout the film. Like, in the beginning, you're like, oh, he's just this really rich dude who wants to live forever, like, whatever. But then, as the plot sort of thickens, and he's a lot more human and moral than he seems in the beginning, and so you're constantly rooting for him, but then things keep going wrong, and so that's very thrilling. And then there's definitely a lot of mystery around who people are and what they're really doing, because since people are shedding a lot which is where they, like, switch their minds to different bodies. Like, there will be one person that, like, looks different constantly because they constantly keep getting a new body. So that was kind of a lot of mystery. And then trying to figure out, like, where these bodies are coming from, that was a big mystery. So it, it definitely lives up to its title. That's good. You're listening to the Voice American Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors. And today we will talk about the Lego Brickumentary, Me and Earl and the Dying Grill, and also Minions. But we're not, right now we're talking to Raven about the new film Selfless, kind of talking about how it is a mystery, it's a thriller, it's a sci-fi, it's an action. And by the way, if you'd like to see Selfless, it is now in theaters. Raven, my next question is about the acting. The main character, Damien, is played by Ryan Reynolds. So how did he do and how did the other actors and actresses do? Ryan Reynolds did a fantastic job. I'm a huge fan of his, and I think he did a really amazing job in this film, especially because he really portrays the fact that his body is very foreign to him in the beginning of the film, because Ben Kingsley is like the original Damien, as I said. I think Ryan Reynolds does an incredible job sort of showing like that he's really getting used to this new body and as I said before Damien mind is almost 70 years old but then he looks like a very young man and so I think there was a lot of comedy that sort of came from that um and yeah Ryan did an incredible job uh there's also Natalie Martinez who plays uh the leading female role she does an, an incredible job um she plays Mark's wife and Mark is the body of like Damien basically and so she definitely goes through a lot throughout the film thinking that her husband dies and then having her husband come back to her but having it not really be her husband Ben Kingsley is amazing as always uh Victor Garber is in it he's wonderful uh, so I think the cast was, was very impressive that's good and like you said there is many different genres like action sci-fi mystery thriller you think there's a main one or do you think they're kind of just like all overlapping each other. I think there's quite a bit of overlap, but I'd say definitely a lot of action, and I know when a lot of people think of thrillers, they think of, like, scary movies, but this definitely isn't a scary movie, but it is very, very thrilling. So, yeah, I definitely say, like, action thriller. That's good, and do you think that somebody only can watch this if they like that, or do you think they can watch it if they like any genre? I don't think that this is for any genre, but I think most people will like this because there is a really good message behind the film, which is what surprised me about the film. I, I thought it was going to kind of just be like, oh, he's this, like, billionaire who just, like, parties a lot and gets a lot of girls, and that's what it is in the beginning of the film, but as I said, as the plot progresses, his strong moral compass comes through, and so I think a lot of people can resonate with that, a lot of people can resonate with wanting to live forever, but they can also resonate with wanting to do the right thing, and the internal conflict with that I think is really cool. Well, that's good. And what do you think is the main moral and message that you're talking about? I would definitely say the, the title kind of says it like selfless. Like by the end of the film, Damien really becomes selfless and he is willing to do what he needs to do for others and, and less for himself. And I think it's, it's a really big message about do what's right for the, for the big picture and that your life isn't always what's the most important and it's who you're affecting and how you act towards other people and sometimes it takes a really big event or losing something to realize that it's other people in your life that are just as important as you are. That is a fantastic message. It can teach a lot of people a lot of things and definitely a good message to spread. The director, great. Yeah. The director Tarsem Singh, sorry if I mispronounce your name, how did he do as a director? I think really incredible. As I said, the sort of shot sequences and the way that the scenes were set up, it doesn't follow the typical, you know, blockbuster style of film that we see. It had a lot of unique film qualities to it, which I think is something that I've been missing when I see a lot of mainstream movies. Um, so I think he did an incredible job visually working with it. I think he did an amazing job putting together the cast and directing them. I think he does an incredible job keeping the flow of the film, because as you asked earlier, if I ever got bored, I really don't think I ever lost interest. And I think that takes pretty good direction to, to maintain this 
sense of interest throughout the entire uh, picture. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me about the new film. Can you please tell me very quickly how many stars you give this film? I would give this film five out of five stars, and I definitely recommend it for ages 13 and up. All right, thank you very much. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Oros, and you're listening to Kids First, coming attractions on Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. They say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we've changed it for the worse, let's change it for the better. Tune in to The Climate Opportunity, a two-hour special hosted by Beth Green and Dr. Grant Dean. Expert guests, Professor Scott Denning, Chef Laura Steck, video journalist Peter Sinclair, and Kelsey Wirth of Women Out Front will share how we can improve our lives while improving our weather. Listen on Inside Out Radio, Tuesday, November 11th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Presented by Inside Out Radio and Voice America. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Women Investing in Women and Girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and right now we are talking with Jerry all about the Lego Rickumentary. Jerry, it is wonderful to speak with you, as always. Well, it's wonderful to speak with you. Uh, so you recently watched the Lego Brickumentary, which for those of you wondering what that is, it's a documentary about Legos, but it's funny because bricks and Legos, haha, <laughs> I think it's funny. Basically, this is sort of like a look into the global culture and appeal of Legos. Um, I know Legos have been around for a really long time, and I've been playing with them since I was a really little kid back when they used to be really simple things, and now you can make, like, starships and castles and sort of really crazy, crazy things. Uh, so I think it's cool that they made a movie to sort of look at the growth of that. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what the film sort of went into and the topics it discussed? Of course. The first thing it talks about is the history of Lagos from the 1950s when it started as a small wooden company that just made basic toys like ducks, trains, etc. And then when the invention of a plastic making machine got public, well, they decided to start breaking these little bricks that connected together. Of course, the first ones were very simple, and it went up through a lot of development over the now almost 70 years of Legos being around. And it's also talking about the huge community that the Lego world is with people who do things professionally, like make custom Legos. I mean, 
nowadays you can submit your own Lego design to a website and can be picked up for distribution if it gets popular enough in the community. It also kind of talks about how company works itself, like there's master builders, there's designers. It is kind of all over a place in a way with everything it talks about in Lego. Mm -hmm. Did you find that it was a little bit distracting that it was all over the place or do you think that... You know, did it leave you with questions about the topics, or do you think that it went into depth enough about all of the different topics it talked about? It definitely went into depth, but it was a kind of bit random because, for example, they're talking about the largest Lego structure ever built, which was a life-size X-wing from Lego Star Wars. But they kind of talked about like five parts of the film, which was very interesting over a span of like 15-minute breaks in between each part. I understand maybe because the way it was filmed or the time it was filmed. But I thought they could have, like, chronologically ordered it a bit better. I see, I see. I definitely find that sometimes with documentaries, when they discuss such a wide topic, especially when it's about a company as huge as, you know, Lego, that it, it can get a little bit confusing. But, I mean, they do have quite a bit to cover. Um, so you mentioned master builders. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because when I was younger, I had a friend whose dad worked with the Lego company, and he would go and, like, build crazy things. And I always, like, wondered, like, what was up with that? So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. The two kind of, like, Lego people they talked about, instead of the obvious ones like corporate and brick manufacturers and all that, was designers who made the sets we buy at stores, like, for example, the Star Wars sets and the Lego City sets and all of those. And then there are the master builders. Kind of actually, like, if you saw the Lego movie, what the master builders in there are, they make these huge, huge Lego creations out of bricks with no instructions, no boundaries, and it's kind of like the Lego sets you see at a amusement park, the huge statues, or at conventions. Those are the people who made it, and the actual city you'd see in the Lego movie, the master builders designed it and built it up in the like actual film scenes, not animated. They made the city. That's so cool. I could, That would be such a cool job to have, I feel. Like, oh my goodness, that would be really cool. Um, so did the film talk at all of Lego distribution in other countries? Because obviously I know Legos are huge in the U.S., um, but I wonder how they do in other countries. Well, I don't think they really talked about how it kind of did worldwide. They did kind of talk about how one time, early 2000s, I believe, like 2004 or something, Lego almost went out of business. And what? This, and they kind of talked about how it happened because... They were pretty much making sets that had four or five gigantic pieces you put together and making it for $30. They were overpricing sets. They weren't putting the actual building in them. And they even said the film kind of being arrogant. So there was definitely times when Lego wasn't doing as good as they are today because right now they are the second biggest toy company in the world. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. I'm honestly not surprised that they're the second biggest toy company in the world though because Legos are everywhere and you know every new movie or series or anything that comes out Lego makes something for it. You know there's Lego Star Wars and you know Lego Batman and Lego everything but I definitely think it's surprising that they almost went out of business but it's also very admirable that they were able to be like hey maybe maybe we are being a little bit arrogant. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host Raven Devaney and uh, today we have talked about Selfless. Right now we are talking about the Lego documentary and later we will be covering Minions and of course Neander all on the Dying Girl. Uh, so as I said before I have with me Jerry and we're just talking all about the Lego documentary which is a documentary about Legos. So Jerry this film is narrated by Jason Bateman. Can you tell me a little bit about how he did as a narrator? And I hear there's sort of an interesting twist on the narration of this film. He did a wonderful job. He kind of made it a little bit more fun. And what I love, and I think this is what you're talking about, is that kind of like in documentaries when they show the narrator walking and talking and talking about the, what's going on in the film, well, they actually made him a little Lego guy. And That's so cool. When he was talking about things, he showed up and made like Lego movie style, kind of that style. You saw the Lego movie and walked around and some cool t- times like there was like real people walking around in a convention or something and he was on a Lego set walking back and forth talking about something. It was a very, very nice way they did the narration. It was definitely entertaining. It wasn't boring narration. He put a lot of life and a lot of 
kind of emotion. Yeah, I definitely think that Jason Bateman is, I, I mean, I think he's wonderful in everything he does, and um, he definitely brings a lot of life and pizzazz to everything. So I think that's really cool that they used him as a narrator. If you could have any job in the Lego industry, what job would you have and why? Ooh. Now, now that's tricky because while Master Builder does sound like more fun because during designing you have a lot of constraints, it has to be easy to build, you can only use these amount of pieces and these types of pieces and what you need to build. Master Builder is much harder because you're building things the size of like your computer instead of just small little things like the size of a toy. I would have to probably choose, ooh that's tough, I would eat. I would probably choose Master Builder, actually, just because of the creativity side, you can make really anything. I think that would definitely be cool. So when, and I don't know if they really went into this, but if they did, I would love to know, when they're coming up with a new product design, do they have test groups to play with it and see the appeal of it to, you know, a crowd of people? And what happens when the designs that they create aren't approved to go through? They're, like, for example, when it's just a normal set, like, Already a designer is making a new new set that's kind of part of a brand of Lego. He just kind of presents it to one of the higher-up corporate people, and, like, he talks about what a kid would like about it, and the corporate designs probably takes it to the board. Kind of like if you're pitching to the corporate a project for a company, but it's a yeah. toy. But if it's a whole new brand, then usually what Lego does, which I really think is cool, like, for the architect series they have with a whole bunch of like monument stuff like minimize you can build he he was told to take a whole bunch of his work to one of the lego conventions and see what they think about it and the people loved it and lego's like okay we can make your brand so they made a whole bunch of the brand and well he got it and also there's the side where fans design sets there's a side called lego creator when you can pretty much take in your design and if over 10,000 people like it lego will distribute it that's so so cool could you imagine how cool that would be if you created something that then was distributed and all of your friends were building it i think that would definitely be very interesting uh so was there anything you learned from this brickumentary that really shocked you or you know maybe was sort of beneficial and educational for you? I think one of the most things that shocked me is that the master builders are actually like making them custom built. They're not just telling a computer to design it like a 3D printer style. They're doing layer by layer by piece by piece. And the biggest set, the X-Wing, has 3 million pieces in it. You oh can imagine gosh. how long that took. And also the fact that Lego almost went out of business. I know that each company has part-times, but that was surprising to think that the Legos we all know and love that almost every single person you'll ever meet ever put two pieces of Lego together at least almost went out of business. That's crazy to think that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely very shocking. So could you tell me who you would recommend this film for and how many stars you give it? I think I would recommend this to honestly anybody who likes Legos and loves to know why these Legos came successful and also people who just like to know how companies became successful. Because this really is an ingenious idea. It became a billion-dollar franchise. And I also will give it five out of five stars because they just did a fantastic idea. Maybe a bit confusing, but it was enjoying to watch and also very educational. Well, it sounds like a wonderful film. Uh, the Lego Brickumentary is in theaters on July 31st. Jerry, as always, it was wonderful speaking with you. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. What does indie mean? It's short for independent. What does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean. When you are indie, you don't just go with the flow. 
You set the pace. Indie can mean a style of music, dress, or just a way of life. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Everybody has a little bit of indie in them. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's you. Tune in to Indie on Voice America Kids. Live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you don't feel indie yet, make it a part of you. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey Investment Education and Asset Management firm and his team can help you contact jordan and the team at investview at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com if you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative call us past performance of investments are not indicative of future results investing is inherently risky all recommendations should be researched by the investor call investview at 732-380-7271 that's 732-380-7271 you are tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Uh, so right now, we are going to be talking about the new film, Minions, which I am so excited about. And we have with us Kayla. As always, it is wonderful to have you on the show with us. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the Minions? Because I am beyond ecstatic to see this film. Basically, the Minions is about them trying to find the baddest villain that they can work for. They were born at the dawn of time, so they went through all these different leaders and bosses, but turns out they weren't always working out. Like, they went through T-Rexes, a caveman, Egyptians, but they all didn't work out. So then when they learned that without serving a leader, that they became really depressed. So Kevin decided to go out and find his tribe, the baddest villain that they can serve for and so he Stuart and, and Bob went out into the real world and went to villain con and found Scarlet Overkill and soon enough they became minions and started working for her. So this film is sort of like a prequel to Despicable Me, would you say? Yes. It just shows what happened before they met Gru. Mm-hmm. And so in this film it just follows these three mil- minions Stuart, Kevin and Bob. It's not the hundreds and hun- hundreds of mil- minions that uh, we see, right? Right. That is so funny. I, my favorite part about, I mean, I love Despicable Me and everything about it, but my favorite part is definitely the Minions. And so when I found out that Minions were made a movie, I was so excited. I've gone to see Minion World when it opened at Universal Studios in Orlando, and my mom was a Minion for Halloween, and my family is just super mm-hmm. obsessed with the Minions. So do you think uh, that you were pleased with their story? Oh, yes. I was so excited to see the movie, and I was so... It was amazing. Like, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. And as far as the visual style and sort of feel of the film, do you think it's similar to the Despicable Me films that we've seen in the past? Yes, it's very similar from... The animation is very similar from the movies in the past, 
they're the minions, of course, so they were, like, amazing and, like, cute and adorable, as they always were, and they were just awesome in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think the minions are wonderful because they, you know, they're so loyal and they are little minions, but they're also very, very mischievous and they definitely have their antics. Something that really stands out to me about the minions is the way that they communicate with each other. So how do you think that carried out in the film? And do you think it was ever confusing to understand what they were saying? Or, you know, how, how were you able to tell the way they were communicating? Most of the time what they were saying was a little confusing because, you know, they speak like gibberish. But they learn how to properly say words in English sometimes. So it was really funny how they would say certain things and how they would just, like, be talking in gibberish. And then one second later, they'd be speaking proper English. It was so funny. So since they aren't really able to speak proper English all the time, especially considering the fact that they are created in the dawn of time, uh, do you think that their actions and the rest of the film was able to carry across the plot since their verbal communication sort of fell flat? Yes, because it's in, in some way you could kind of understand them even though they weren't speaking the proper language. It sounded like they were saying one thing, but that's what they they were actually saying. It. So it was easy to, to translate, sort of, but still it kind of made no sense. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely understand that. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today during the show we have talked about the new film Selfless and the Lego Brickumentary. So right now we are talking all about the new film, which I cannot wait to see, The Minions. And we have with us the wonderful Kayla, and she was just telling me all about sort of the funny things that the Minions get into and whatnot. Uh, so as you mentioned before, the Minions were created from the dawn of time, which I think is kind of interesting to know, um, and they had many different rulers. Uh, was there a certain ruler other than Scarlet Overkill that you thought was particularly funny? Yes. They, they One of their bosses was the cavemen. So when they came across this bear in the middle of nowhere, the cavemen grabbed his club and it was about to hit, like, kill the bear. But then the minions were like, no, 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 and gave them, like, a spatula or something and told them to whack the bear in the face. And so the, the caveman takes his spatula and just, like, starts slapping the bear in the face so hard. And then a split second later, the bear just eats the caveman. And so then oh the minions start running away. Like, they're so scared. Oh, my goodness. That's really funny. I feel like that's definitely something that the minions would do. Because even though, you know, they, they want to be evil and they want to have, like, an evil overlord, they, they're kind of sweet and, and kind of harmless a little bit. You know? Yeah, they're, like, so cute and stuff. It's, like, hard to take them seriously when they're trying to be evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Kyle Balda and Perry Coffin uh, were the directors of this film. How do you think they did sort of carrying out the story and working on this film together? I thought they did great because... Even though the minions don't really speak English in a way, it was really easy to follow along with the plot, and it was really easy to understand. And I was just amazed at how well they made this movie. So, out of the three minions, how do you think their personalities vary? Because they are kind of all supposed to be the same, but they definitely have their own personalities and different traits. So can you sort of talk to me about the way they interacted with each other and their different personalities? Okay, so three minions are far from alike. Kevin, he's sort of like the leader out of, out of all of them. Like he takes charge and tells them what we have to do. But then Stuart, on the other hand, he's just chill, laid back, in love with his ukulele, and <laughs> doesn't really care. And then Bob, he's just like this cute little, he acts like the baby of the group and has his little teddy bear named Tim. And he he's scared of the world, so it's kind of hard for him to take it all in. And every time he's like fighting somebody, he drops his bear Tim and runs and goes, find, goes and tries to find his bear. And it's so cute. He just runs and just cares for his little bear. That's so cute. I definitely think that it's cool that they had them sort of differ in personalities because I think it would kind of be boring if you just see like these three little characters that are exactly alike and that's definitely one of my favorite things about the minions is the way they interact with each other and how sort of crazy they are so do you have a favorite scene of sort of you know the trouble that they get into or you know a a particularly funny moment you care to share yes there is this one time in the movie when Bob was king for in England for like a few hours 
And so King Bob has to make this speech in front of everybody. So at the beginning of the speech, he yells, King Bob! And then everybody starts cheering for him. And then he makes his speech, but it's in gibberish, so nobody understands what he's saying. And so at the end, they're all just staring at him like, what did you just say? And then he grabs the microphone and yells, King Bob! And then... <laughs> just starts cheering for them and he does like this little mic drop and just walks away all confident like yeah they heard what i said <laughs> that's so funny so if you could be one of the minions Stuart, kevin or bob who would you be and why or who do you think you're the most like i think i'm more like kevin because i take action and like i'm not afraid to just lead everybody and, he, and he's just like the perfect leader and who would you recommend this film for? Because I know Despicable Me has such a huge sort of cult following almost uh, with the amount of people that watch it and love it. Uh, so do you think that this has the same sort of crowd? Yes, I think it's perfect for all ages, even for little kids. It's not that, it's not really scary. So I think they can handle it. That's good. And uh, this is definitely a comedy and a family film. Do you think that there are any other morals or messages behind the, the story? Yes, there's also, there, there's a few messages, like to never give up and to stick together because the minions are super duper determined to look for the perfect evil villain to work for. And even though the minions are different personalities, they stick together to get what needs to be done, and they don't leave one person behind. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very strong message, you know, teamwork and team building and, and family is a, is a huge thing, no matter what you're doing. Even if you're, you know, you've gone through all of existence and all of time together, sticking together and being strong is very cool. So how many stars would you give this film on a scale of one to five? I give this movie five out of five golden stars. Well, I'm glad that you give it five out of five golden stars. I am super pumped to see this movie. I absolutely cannot wait to see it. It is in theaters now. Kayla, thank you for telling me all about it. It was a pleasure as always. No problem. <laughs> Let's take a break. I'm your host, Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. At 13, you are just starting to become a teenager and are ready to move on to the next phase of your years. The squeals and screams are replaced by slightly less squeals and screams and you're expected to act a little more grown up. Tune in to Life at 13 for the answers and support you need to get through this time in your life. Your hosts have some amazing life experiences, and because of this, they have the know-how to get you through ready for what's next. Life at 13, Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. 
Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. Looking for a great sports show from a kid's point of view? Look no further than Speaking of Sports. We've got the stats, scores, and inside news on what's happening all over the sports world. It's all hard-hitting, can't-miss action from your point of view. You'll hear different perspectives, opinions, and predictions from the fans and experts. Tune in to Speaking of Sports every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Miss just one minute of this show and you've missed out. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back to kids first coming attractions i'm jerry orris and you're listening to the voice america kids we just talked about the films lego brickumentary minions and also selfless but right now we're going to talk to raven about the new film me and earl and the dying girl so, Raven, overall, how did you like the film? I absolutely adore this film. It is now one of my new favorite movies. Uh, I love it to pieces, and overall, it, it is just a remarkable movie. Well, it sounds like a fantastic movie. Can you please tell us about the plot? Absolutely. So, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl uh, follows Greg and Earl, which are these two sort of best friends, and they're in their senior year of high school, they kind of have this theory where if they become low-key friends with everyone uh, and don't really stand out too much, they'll you know have an easier time going through school. And they keep everything pretty low-key. They're friends with everyone, as I said, until they meet this girl, Rachel. Um, and they find out that she has cancer and she's one of their classmates. And they become really, really close with her. And it's sort of about them trying to navigate through high school while also deal with her illness and sort of help her through this transition and really difficult time. I see. And is this like a kind of drama? Is this an adventure? What is the main genre? It's definitely a coming-of-age film, but it's not the typical sort of high school movie. It's very real and very raw. I haven't seen... I mean, the word that I keep using is refreshing, because it's very refreshing to see a film that accurately depicts sort of what it's like to be in high school and sort of the emotions that come behind it, because, you know, most high school movies are very, very unrealistic and are full of, like, stupid romance and drama and whatnot. And so, yeah, I'd say this film is definitely a coming-of-age movie that is actually real and accurate, for sure. That's good. So it kind of, like, shows really what high school is, not just what Hollywood makes it. Absolutely. And this has actually to do with a cancer patient. That's dying real part. So do you think that kind of brings out any romance at all? See, okay, that's something that a lot of people, a lot of people have been trying to compare it to, like, The Fault in Our Stars. And this is, there. this is a love story, but not a romantic love story, which I absolutely adore. It, it, it's the love of friendship. It's the love of family. Um, and there's no, there's no romance in the film, which I love. Something that happens, Greg narrates the entire movie in a very comical, sort of dry humor sort of way. And 
there are several times out with Rachel and he's like, if this was, you know, a romantic love story, we would embrace and passionately kiss each other and fall in love. But that's not what the story is. So we're just going to sit here and watch this movie and nothing's going to happen. And I thought that was really cool. Now, do you think that the story is original or do you think it's kind of done before? Uh, well, it's based off of a book, so it's original to the book, I'd say for sure. And as I said, it is a coming-of-age film, but I think it's very unique in the sense where it doesn't tell, you know, the typical sort of surface-level high school stuff. It's definitely very original and authentic, but I think it is a story that a lot of people can find something they relate to for sure. And also, you mentioned before how the main character kind of narrates it, like in a com- comedic Wait, do you think that that comedy is good or do you think it's kind of like boring Hollywood comedy, so to speak? Oh, no, it's it's definitely, there's nothing Hollywood about this film, I'd say for sure. The cast is all very, very down to earth and the director is very, very down to earth and so is the humor. The humor is wonderful and it's very refreshing for sure because I think a lot of times being a teenager, when you're put in sort of a difficult situation, you kind of look at it comedically. And I think Greg's sort of narration is not even intentionally funny. It's just so relatable that you almost have to laugh at it. Like, oh my goodness, I've thought that exact same thing, or I've been in that exact same position. And Greg is a very awkward teenager, as most of us are. Uh, so that's where a lot of the, the comedy comes from as well. But nothing about it is forced or fake or fictitious in any way. Also, who is uh, one of our viewers were wondering, Greg is played by Thomas Mann. You're listening to the Voice oh, yeah. America Kids. Thomas Mann is wonderful. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors, and today we talked about Minions. We are talking about me, me and Earl the Die Girl, and we talked about Lego Brickumentary and also Selfless. And we shall continue talking about me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And Raven, how did Thomas Mann and the other cast do? Like, The cast in this film is honestly incredible. Um, I got to sit down and talk with uh, Thomas Mann and RJ Seiler, who play Greg and Earl. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Mann. He is in a lot of films where he plays, you know, the awkward comical teenager, but... All of these films are very surface level and, you know, they're, they're wonderful films and he's a wonderful actor. But I think this film, he was really, really able to show off what a talented actor he is. He was able to show off a wide variety of emotions and he really does an incredible job. He was really perfect for this role. Uh, RJ Seiler, who plays Earl, was also hilarious. He was very, very quiet and sort of very blunt and matter of fact. But when he did speak, he often uh, gave really, really important, valuable messages. Uh, this was his very first feature film, so I was beyond impressed with him. Uh, Olivia Cook plays Rachel, and she's a phenomenal actress. She's also in another one of my favorite movies, The Signal, and she's in Bates Motel. And then uh, you have, you know, the supporting actors in this film were incredible. Uh, so I think the cast worked together in such a wonderful, unique way, and there wasn't a single character that I saw that didn't feel important. I think that's fantastic. It's definitely good to have a strong cast to push to support a strong film. Now, directing-wise, the director is Alfonso Gomez-Rojan. How did he do? He is a phenomenal uh, director. He has worked on American Horror Story, which is uh, my all-time favorite TV show. So when I got to meet him, it was really incredible. But he is an amazing director because he takes every job as a learning experience and a way to grow and a way to develop his technique and his style. And he has a very unique uh, style of directing and the way he sets up his visuals. He worked with cinematographer Chung Hoon Chung, who is also phenomenal. Um, Really just an amazing cast and crew. But Alfonso and Chung Hoon Chung worked together to create a very interesting visual take on this film. So all of the shot sequences and camera angles were very unique and entertaining. A lot of uh, the scenes were one continual shot where it would be, you know, a lot of pans and a lot of zooms. And I think it almost made the cinematography a character in itself. And it made the school seem like a character, you know, so they really used the entire atmosphere and every aspect of this film worked so flawlessly together. It's really, really, truly a masterpiece. Yeah, I saw the trailer, and there's a lot of those type of shots you're talking about where it's kind of, like, long and continuous. And I also saw kind of a lot of two-person wide shots. So that was very interesting scene. It's nice to kind of have, like, a continuous thing in the film. Yeah. Do you think there's a moral message of the story? I think there's a lot 
of of messages in the story, but I think there's not one. I think it's really different for each person, and that's something that when I sat down with Alfonso that he was saying, when I asked him, you know, what do you think the message behind this film is? And he was like, I really think it depends on the person, and it depends on their experiences and what they take out of the film and what they get from it and what they gain. Uh, so what I really got from the film is that, you know, you never realize how sacred and how blessed you are to have the people in your life until they're taken from you. And the movie really, really made me think about my life and the people that are in it and how how lucky I am and how much I value everyone in my life. So that's really what I got from it, but I think it's to each their own. You know, and I think that's the really only comparison you can make it to something like Fallen Our Stars because also that film made you say, like, connection to somebody you love that you may lose and how that would feel and how terrible it would be. You mentioned several times that you met with people of the cast. How was that? And did you learn anything fantastic about the film? Uh, it was really wonderful getting to meet with the cast. As I said, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Mann, so getting to sit down with him was wonderful. And then Alfonso Gomez Rejon is incredible as well. And I think it was really cool getting to talk to them because they're, as I said, this film isn't very Hollywood, and I don't think they're very Hollywood either. They are so true to their craft and so passionate about what they do. And just, I mean, sitting with them, they're so humble and they really take everything as a learning experience and they really try to be as authentic as possible so nothing they're making they're making for like so that people will love it like I mean obviously they want people to love their work but they're really making this authentic genuine work that they're proud of and that they you know feel good about and I think that was very cool and very inspiring. I think that is fantastic. Again, it's great to see somebody like that who's making full feature films that will be in theaters and big films, too. And it's good to see people like that and hopefully more people like that in Hollywood. Do you have a favorite scene in a, or and or a favorite character? I think my favorite character is probably Greg, just because he is hilarious and also very down-to-earth and very relatable. And I think one of my favorite scenes, and I don't want to get too in-depth about it because it definitely is a, a huge moment in the film, but Greg goes into Rachel's room and he just, there, there's no talking at all in this film and this or in this scene. And the whole scene is just one continual shot just going around her room. But this is really where you get to see how talented uh, Alfonso is with making her room almost be a character. And I really, really enjoyed that scene. It was very moving. This film is very, very moving. Thank you so much for talking to me about this new wonderful film. Very quickly, can you say how many stars you give this film? I give it five out of five stars and recommend it for ages 13 and up. And all of you guys should definitely check it out. Thank you so much for talking to me about this film. Again, if you would like to see this film, it is now in theaters near you. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Jerry Oris, and you have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To hear more film reviews and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic, go to kidsfirst.org and check out our Kids First blog on how to post. This show is produced for the Voice America Kids Network by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media. We believe smart kids make smart consumers. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.